Okay, everyone. I think I'm ready. I think. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to everybody that's put in big effort today because um, there's been a few people that have had COVID, so some people are unexpectedly up the front. Um, not me, but people like Paul, who just led worship. Um, and um, did a great job, so thank you for stepping in and doing that and um, being up the front. And Gaylene did the announcements. I've never seen Gaylene up the front before, so that's exciting. <laughs> you haven't either. Ah. Well, there you go. Um, however, I was expected to be here, so um, here I am. Um, I, I think I'll just start with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we want to thank you that you are Lord of all, that you are right here with us, Lord. And that, Lord, that you are a God that is alive and well and wants to speak to us. So we pray that you would speak to us this morning and we would just be able to take into our lives the precious words that you want to share with us and the challenges that you might have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was um, thinking about what to preach about and so um, the Lord told me that I should preach about cardboard boxes. That's a weird one. Um, so here we are. Here's a cardboard box. And um, I, I've used that recently to move. It's not even my cardboard box. Um, I, I thought I'd bring it along just as a representation of um, something that I want to share with you this morning. Um, the reason that I feel that the Lord wants me to bring this cardboard box before you this morning, you've all seen cardboard boxes before, and, and share with you about cardboard boxes is because sometimes, this is really going to get in my way, so I'm going to put it right here. Sometimes I feel in my own life and I see in the lives of other people and churches that we sometimes like to put God in a cardboard box. We would never go around to other people and we would say that we do that. I've never heard anybody turn up to a service and say, oh, good morning, how was your week? Oh, it was great, I put God in a cardboard box this week. We never, we never say things like that. But the way that we live sometimes and the limitations that we put on God and limitations we put on others sometimes would suggest that we live life um, by putting God in a cardboard box because it's really comfortable when things are in boxes and that includes God and other people and when things are put away in nice little boxes so that we can store them off into certain parts of our lives then that's great because it fits us really well because we can have control over everything. So that's my sermon for this morning. Back to you Paul. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, right. Um, I, um, I want to... Um, 
I want to read out to you today a passage from Acts. And so if, you, if you're unaware, Acts is after Jesus had died on the cross and he'd returned to heaven and um, the disciples were still trying to work out what this new thing called the church looked like. What shape should it take? What was going to happen? Jesus, who was meant to lead the way, has now died and left them and now they're trying to work out what this, what this thing called the church looks like. And I'm going to read out from Acts 10 where Peter, um, where Peter ha- is off on his own and he's actually in a place and in a household of um, Simon the Tanner and Simon the Tanner lived right on the, right on the outskirts of what was known as Israel. And, and, and so in some sense when, when, when we read this, the first question we could ask ourselves is, Peter's one of the leaders of the church and the church is just now trying to establish itself and, and when something's trying to establish itself, you really need your leadership there. You really need the people that had been with Jesus and, and to some extent know what they're talking about to be there. So what on earth is Peter doing way out here? on the edge of Israel by himself, why, why is he out here? And I want to suggest he's out here because he's right where God needs him to be. Because God's about to do something amazing. Now, if you're looking at chapter 10, you're thinking, wow, that's a long Bible reading. So I'm going to just go through it a little bit at a time. Um, just to share the story. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of God coming in, and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. I love the fact that this story doesn't actually start with Peter, it starts with Cornelius. There's there's so much in this passage that we could be here for a few days. We're not going to be here for a few days, but (laughs) excited. (laughs) There'll be a coffee break halfway through. that there's so much in the story, but it's, it's, it's really interesting that this 
particular passage starts with Cornelius. It doesn't start with there was this amazing apostle Peter who had been with Jesus and seen all that. No, it starts with a Gentile who is a Roman soldier about 60 kilometres away he was from Joppa. And, and God spoke to him first. So God's setting something up here. And so when God speaks to Cornelius, he says, send, send these people and the people are sent. And then while they are walking, the next part of the story unfolds. The, ne- the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open like an object, like a great sheet bound at four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant. Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them. Doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am the one you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and who and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you then he invited them in and lodged them on the next day peter went away with them and some brethren from joppa accompanied him now i'm just going to stop it there for a moment i i I love reading this passage in so many different ways but as you can see god is clearly doing something here god clearly has a a plan. An angel has gone to Cornelius and while these men are walking, uh, this vision happens for Peter and, and while Peter has this vision, the men are on their way and then when the vision is over, God, God says to Peter that there are men waiting for you and basically what's happening is that the You've had this vision. There's men waiting for you. You're going to see the practical outworking of this vision straight away. I needed to give you that so your head was in the right space. 
So I, I just love how God brings this together. Sometimes we might feel that God only works in certain other people's lives and, oh, wow, it's amazing what God's doing in your life or it's amazing what God's doing in that church or it's amazing what God's doing over there. But God is always at work, isn't he? In so many different ways, in so many people's lives, in so many different situations, bringing them all together for his glory. And so God really needs to speak to Peter. And the reason that, that he has this vision is because God is teaching him something new. Something that was different to the way that Peter was brought up. If you want to look it up later, you can look up Leviticus chapter 20, verses 22 to 26, that talk about clean and unclean animals. Um, and that, that's in the Old Testament when God was, God was instructing, um, instructing his people in which way they should go, how they should behave amongst all the other nations that were around them and what would set them apart. So that's in Leviticus. But it was something that carried through to what, something Peter would have been very aware of and he would have been taught this since he was young. And we all know from our own lives that... When we, when we learn things when we're young and when we grow up in a certain culture and when we grow up in a certain, certain family and the way that they do things, it's very hard when, when things are sometimes done differently. For those of you who, um, who are married or, or been out with somebody, it's quite, it's quite interesting when you go and visit the other person's family, isn't it? Sometimes you think, wow, their family is so different, to, or, or, unless all of you have had an amazing experience and the families are exactly the same. Um, <laughs> but, but there's these things that happen, there's these traditions that we cling to, and it happens in churches too. How many times do we hear in churches about disagreements happening and the disagreements actually have nothing to do with what is in the Bible but people argue about them and they discuss them in such a way that you would swear that they were things that were taught in the scriptures but when you look they're just not there. You go into a church and, uh, or you're part, involved in a church and it's like, we don't do things that way here. Why? Because we never have. And, and, and we don't think that that's what God's, God wants of us. Why, why is that? Where's, where's it say in the book? Like th these conversations go on and on. Sometimes people try to find biblical justifications for the things that they do when they're simply not in the scriptures. Now, I'm not discouraging you from reading the Bible because I've been doing this Alpha course lately, which is amazing, and, um, and we just recently done one, done one on reading the Bible and really appreciated what they had to say. And we should be reading our Bible and we should be taking in um, who God is and what God wants for us. And I am not saying that there is nothing that we can know about God and there is nothing that we can know about what he wants for our lives um, Please don't misquote me and say that because I'll deny it. There are obviously things that we can know clearly about God. 
clearly about the way that he does things, clearly about things that he wants and doesn't want. But there are also things where God carves a new path. And you could have had a great discussion with Peter about this very fact at this time because he's dealing with it in a very, very real way. Peter would have been brought up knowing that you can't eat these animals and you can eat these animals. And so God is challenging him on that. Not so that he'll go and eat them, that's not what God has in mind, Um, but God is challenging his thoughts on how God does things. Now, um, I've um, since I was a kid, I've always enjoyed um, watching Star Wars every now and then. I'm not a massive Star Wars person. I don't have Star Wars things everywhere in my house because my wife would throw me out. But... But I have a few little things. And so my, daughter, my youngest daughter went over to America one time because my older, my older, younger, my younger brother lives in America. So she went to visit Uncle Stephen. And when she was there, she went to a shop and she came back and she said, I bought you this, Dad. And it's an old Star Wars poster. And when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that movie. And my daughter goes, oh, look carefully, Dad. And I looked at it more carefully. And this is actually a poster for the movie where, um, that they brought out initially, but they never used this poster because they changed the name of the movie. That says that the movie coming out is called Revenge of the Jedi. But after they made the posters and they thought about doing that movie, they sat around and they thought, well, what's a Jedi? Well, a Jedi is a really pacifist um, person who seeks peace and tries to bring order. Um, Should we really call it revenge? Would would they really be the type of people that would, you know, we're going to get revenge? It doesn't fit with with who we're trying to portray here. So many of you will know that a movie came out called Return of the Jedi and they changed the revenge to return. Why did they do that? Because they decided that those words didn't represent the people that they were trying to represent. And so they, ch- they changed it. And I guess I want to challenge you a little bit this morning in, in the way that we live our lives and in the way that we interact with people and the things that God wants to do with us. Do we represent the God that we say that we do? Peter is learning something something incredible here in this moment. This is a bit of a watershed moment for the church, uh, for the early church. And Peter is basically saying, God, I know that you're speaking to me, but you don't work like that. And God is saying, I do. I can imagine this conversation in my head. Well, I've never been brought up thinking that you work like that. Like, I've actually got these verses there, and they're, they're in the Old Testament. 
Um, it wouldn't have been called the Old Testament then, by the way. Um, and, and I've been taught that this is the way that things happen, so no, God, I politely disagree with you that you don't work like that, and God's like, well, guess what I do? What a conversation to have. I've had conversations with God like that myself. And sometimes when I'm not up to a conversation like that, I just say, no, God doesn't work like that. God won't do that. I tell other people that God doesn't work like that. And then I put God in a box and make sure that I can understand God because it's better when God's in a box and I can understand him for me because then everything in my life fits more clearly. And then what's worse is that once I've got God in the box, I can then put everybody else in it as well. And go, well, you're doing that and God doesn't do that, so you're wrong. And you shouldn't be doing this with your life and I really need to talk to that person. (laughs) Which, by the way, is what happened to Peter... Because after this occurred, in chapter 11 of Acts, we see that Peter was, was brought before the leaders of the church in Jerusalem and they said to Peter, please explain. So this is exactly what happened. I'm not making all of this up. I really, I think this is one of the passages where I really admire Peter for his confidence in the fact that he was hearing God's voice. Because it doesn't say that Peter said, no, that is not happening, I am not going, I am a Jew, I am not leaving here and walking into the house of a Gentile who is a non-Jew, specifically a Roman centurion, I am not doing that because that's not what we do, that's not how, how Jews behave. And also, the fact that God spoke to a Gentile first without us actually being there and, and sharing. Because if, if you look through the Old Testament, it's constantly about God leading his people. So how, how is it that God speaks to a Gentile and then a Gentile sends his people to me to talk to them about God? None of this makes sense. Peter could have gone, it's not happening Get somebody else, I'm having lunch. But Peter didn't do that. Peter listened to God and said, right, this is, this is what God wants. And that would have been huge for him because it was a whole shift in his understanding of who God is. We all know how hard things like that can be. It's, it's easy sometimes to get our own understanding and what we value in life and th- the way that we think that you should live life and wrap God around that and we end up with a God that looks very much like us and think that's what God is. And Peter could have done that. 
I remember when I first started preaching um, and a church had asked me to stay as their senior pastor and I had just finished Bible college. The, uh, um, the senior pastor had just left and so I was just learning. So I said to them, I'm just learning, I'm going to make mistakes. The congregation went, that's all right. And, and so I was learning to preach and I enjoy having a bit of humour, I enjoy just being myself and I thought, no, um, I've seen other people preach, so I started, you know, get up the front, no humour, no nothing, just like do, like, just be serious. And, and, and I preached like that for a few weeks. And I remember one time, um, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with preaching like that. I guess what I'm saying is that... No. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm saying is that that wasn't me. And I remember after doing that for a few weeks, there was this, this little old lady in the congregation that come up to me after one sermon. And she, she, she basically said, well, so what's going on? I'm like, what do you mean what's going on? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Depressed? No, I'm not depressed. Why am I, why, why am I depressed? She said, because... You used to get up the front, you used to use a lot of humour, you used to just be yourself, you used to, just, you used to relax. I don't know who that is up preaching anymore, but, God, but God's called Peter Cain to come and share and use him. And what's happening up there at the moment isn't Peter Cain. Who are you trying to be? And um, it's, it's always such a blessing when some of the older people in the congregation come up and challenge you straight <laughs> Straight afterwards. Um, and I, I guess I, I um, yeah, I, I just share that because, because God's called us and wants to use us and wants to shape us and sometimes we try and be something else because we misunderstand who God is and what he wants of us and what he wants for us to do. But Peter understood and I really admire him for that and he basically went he had the people that came across stay with him which also would have been a big thing for them to stay in his house and show some hospitality towards them and then Peter basically said let's go and so he went with the men and he went to see Cornelius. And when he got there, he realised that God was well and truly at work. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. 
I ask then, for what reason have you sent for me? Another, that, like I said, there's so many things in this passage, but another thing that really, really stands out to me in this passage, and I think is really relevant for us still today, as his people and as his church, is that God was at work in that place before Peter turned up. It only seems like a little thing. But it wasn't that Peter... Peter shared a message of of salvation with them. Um, But God was working in that place before Peter turned up. Sometimes, and and I've um, been a missionary over in um, Cambodia for a few years... And, and you can sometimes fall into the trap of, I am bringing God to the people. Like, like God is a football or something that you put under your arm and say, oh, look, everybody, I'm off the plane. Here's God. I've brought him. But God is at work in the lives of people and in communities Outside right now, whilst we are here this morning and we're listening to this amazing recount of what God did, God is working in the lives of people in this community right now. And God would be working in the lives of people. You might have people that you're praying for. You might have friends and relatives. You might have situations in your life. And God is working in those places right now. He hears your prayers. And those things are happening. Sometimes God works in situations even before we begin to pray because it's part of our plan. I, I, I sometimes believe that the definition of mission is us simply catching up with what God's already doing. And God is at work in this community and the communities around us. And, and Connect Baptist, one of our roles is to simply catch up with what God's doing. God's doing things in the lives of people around here and listening to his voice and seeing those places where God is at work. And so I want to encourage you in that, and that is encouraging because it shows that the whole responsibility is not laid on you. God is simply saying, I'm already up to something. I'm already um, changing the lives of people. The whole responsibility isn't on your shoulders. I just want you to join with me in what I'm doing and to walk into those places because you've listened to my voice. I um many years ago I briefly shared the story of how I went with open doors over to China one time um, and took Bibles um, into mainland China. I remember one time um, I um, walked through with a suitcase full of Bibles into into mainland China and um, caught a plane with another fellow. I believe he was from America. 
and we hopped on a plane, and I can't remember the name of the place, but we, we flew um, we flew to another place, and um, we ended up in a small farm somewhere somewhere up near Inner Mongolia, and um, and it was really interesting because because we were honoured guests, they um, killed a pig for us, and then cooked the pig while we were there, and they only used chopsticks, and I, to be honest, found it really hard to pick up pig's intestines with chopsticks. I, I, was, I was really struggling. <laughs> but as I sat there in that place, I had that thought about having this idea that I'm bringing God to the people because in that place God was alive and God was well and God was working in the lives of these people. I remember talking to another lady on a different mission trip. I won't say where or when. Um, but there was this young lady that met some of us for coffee at a cafe. Um, it was an impoverished nation and she was so honoured that we were there. We'd come over from the west and she was really honoured and she, she said that she was honoured to meet us and um, she, she apologised for being a little bit late because apparently she spends four to, four to five hours of prayer in the morning, every morning. And she apologised for being a little bit late um, and was honoured to meet us. And I was like, <laughs> shouldn't be honoured to meet us. God is doing amazing things. In, like, you're a challenge to me. Those, those are just two quick examples of how God is doing things out there. But right here, God is doing things in the lives of the community. And God is asking us and is asking you to connect with him on mission. And some of you are doing that in amazing ways just through some of the ministries that the church has. Um, what will that look like into the future? I don't know. But God knows. But I think it's encouraging that God wants to use us in that way. And sometimes the biggest work that God is doing can happen out there in the community. Sometimes um, it's, it's great when people come along here on a Sunday morning because we can meet together, we can sing together, we can, we can encourage one another, we can listen to God's word. But I want to suggest that people being here on a Sunday morning, if they're out there in the community and do not yet know the Lord, isn't the be-all and end-all. It's what God's doing in their lives right now and being able to connect with that that they might meet they might meet God. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34 to 36, Peter speaks in the house of Cornelius. And Peter says this. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. 
but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. That's really powerful. Peter standing in that place saying, and he says, I now. Like it's something that he's just learnt. Yesterday I didn't really get this, but I now understand that God does not show favouritism, but accepts people from every nation. That, that speaks like really powerful to me. One, that God has a heart for all people. That, you know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. On an international level. But also on a personal level, it means that God loves all people, even if I might look at them and I might think, no, no, there's, there's all this stuff wrong with you and wrong in your life. And I've done that at times. And I right now just want to take a moment just to challenge you because I know from sitting down in the congregation that I can sometimes listen to a preacher up the front and when the preacher's talking about something in my mind I go, I know another person who really should hear this sermon. This sermon would be a great sermon for somebody else. I might even tell them, they should like, they should go in line and they should, no, not, not this morning. I'm not going to let you get out of it that easily this morning. Forget everyone else. I know a great person that God is trying to speak to this morning and it's you. Don't start thinking about who you could tell somebody else about this. Start thinking about yourself. God wants to challenge you this morning in your ideas about who he is. God wants you to think about this morning, have you put him into a box so that life is a little bit easier for you to understand? Because it can get a bit messy when we just let God be God. Just ask Peter, when you see Peter, just ask Peter. God wants to challenge you about your ideas and then how about when we have those ideas about God, God wants to challenge you this morning about then how you might view others. Sometimes we do, we just go, oh, if that person just fixed this or that or they didn't do this or they didn't do that, then they could really meet with God and God could bless them. No, it doesn't work like that. God blesses and reaches out to people where they're at. And by thinking like that, we're putting God in a box and we're putting other people in a box. So maybe there's some things about God where you have made God a little bit more like yourself than who God actually is and the God of the Bible, whom we can know through reading his word. And God wants to challenge you about that this morning.
that you let God be God in your life, in the life of your family, and that that might flow out from you. And that you also see that as that happens, that God wants you to go on mission with him and reach out to other people with this amazing message that Peter shared on that day. That there is a message of love and it comes from our God. And it's not for any specific culture. It's not for any specific nation or community. Or It's for everyone that God so loved the world. God does not show favoritism. I pray that you are a person that shares that message and I pray that we are a church that shares that message with the people around us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for who you are. And Lord, if we, if we struggle with understanding who you are, Lord, I pray that as we seek after you, that as we spend time with you each day and we read your word and we speak with other wiser people than us, Lord, that you begin to show us who you really are. And you begin to challenge us in those areas where we have nearly done the unthinkable and that is change you to be more like us, Lord. We want you to be you. And Lord, we pray that you change us and you shape us and you mould us to be your people and to be your church. Lord, we thank you so much that you love us so dearly that you are so patient and so faithful with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.